Hi everyone, thanks for joining once again this weekend for our online experience. As I announced earlier this week, many of you may have missed the announcement that we are regathering church on our location with live services starting June the 7th, 9.30 and 11.15. We're gonna be gathering once again. I'm so excited about that, but I do want people to know we're gonna be having a time tomorrow, Pastor Tim and myself, during the nightly encouragement, we're gonna be talking about how it's gonna look. It's gonna look very differently for us as we regather. It's not gonna be church as usual. I want you to know that ahead of time. We're gonna be practicing social distancing. We're gonna be cleaning stations. There are gonna be so many things that are gonna be done a little bit differently for this season, and it could be long-term. We'll just have to see how this virus plays out. But I'm excited that we're going to be able to gather once again on June 7th. I've so missed each one of you. And thank you for joining us today. As we start week four of our series called This Is Only a Test. After Jesus rose from the dead, the church was growing by leaps and bounds. Literally by the thousands, the church was growing. There was a man by the name of Saul who absolutely hated Christians. He hated even the concept of the Son of God coming to save you for the remissions of your sins. He hated the whole concept, and he really began to persecute Christians horribly. He oversaw the execution of the first martyr, and that was Stephen. That was Saul. Many of the Christians began to flee Jerusalem and begin to go to other areas of this region. A large group of the Christians gathered in Damascus. Saul was seeking the most people he could affect negatively and got permission through the government in Damascus to arrest every Christian there and bring them back for persecution in Jerusalem. But you know the funny thing is, God had other plans for Saul and he had other plans for these Christians. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the testing that you allow us to go through to make us who we're called to be. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, that you gave your life for us, and you're right there for us now in our time of testing. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to give you a quick recap of where we come through this series of This Is Only a Test, in week one, we talked about Job and his suffering and what he went through. And it was a test of endurance. And we called that from dust to trust. The dust of what Job thought was right to the trust in God for what God was going to do in his life. And God came through and gave more than he could have even imagined in the last, last times of his life. Week two, it was Abraham's willingness to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And that's a test of faith. So many of us are walking even now through a test of faith. We call that from decision to provision. When we decide to do things God's way in obedience to God, oh my goodness, he always provides for us. That's who he is, Jehovah Jireh, the God who is our provider. Last week, we talked about Jesus in the wilderness and how the, Satan himself came and tempted Jesus three different times and put him to the test and we talked about the importance of spiritual warfare. We need to engage. We need to be bold with our faith. But we need to understand the word of God is powerful. It's our offensive weapon. And when the enemy attacks, we've got to battle back with the word of God and to hide God's word 
in our heart. Today, we're going to be talking about Saul's blindness and the test of obedience that we're calling from spite to sight. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to put it on the screen, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 3. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard the voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what to do and what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and he did not eat or drink. Here's Saul persecuting Christians and on his way to persecute more Christians, he encountered not a vision, but he encountered Jesus Christ himself and there was a test that was going to be given to Saul at that moment. He asked, who are you? And Jesus answered, I am Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? You see, it's interesting to see there. Who he was persecuting was Christians. But Jesus took that very personally as he was persecuting the body of Christ. Jesus came and said, you're persecuting me when you persecute Christians. I love how Jesus always has our back. When the Bible talks about Jesus being our vindicator, God will vindicate us. Understand that being a part of the body of Christ, with God being our father, he's going to look after us and he's got our back and he's going to take care of us. You see, from Jesus's point of view, coming against the Christian was coming against Jesus Christ himself. So the test for Saul goes on into the city and he awaits the instructions. And then Saul was struck blind. He was confronted by vague instructions just to go into the city and to wait because the answer was going to be coming. Saul probably wanted to go home and sulk. He probably wanted to go home and talk to someone and let it go and just go nuts and, and go off on them. But Saul was obedient to that first instruction to go back to Damascus and wait on God. Now, it's interesting to see how God is pursuing someone that is so anti-God. He's pursuing someone that is probably one of the biggest sinners that was on the earth at that time. Someone that, that was persecuting and overseeing the killings and the martyrs of Christians. God was pursuing Saul just like he was pursuing you and he pursued me. What did Saul deserve? He didn't deserve a bright light. He didn't deserve three days of blindness. He deserved to have a lightning bolt come down and strike him dead because of the negative, hurtful, painful death that he was causing Christians. But God's love for Saul was bigger than the bitterness that Saul was carrying. Number one in your notes. And if you want to follow in your notes, always know you can go on the YouVersion app and you can follow along there. But number one in your notes, it says, Saul's spite was no match for God's love. 
Saul's spite was no match for God's love. So often I see, even in church, being in the same church for almost 40 years, I see where people, they come and they go. We've had hundreds of people, thousands of people come through our church over time. And I've seen people, they would have something happen in their life, maybe a death of a loved one, and they would hold on to bitterness towards God. And they'd be upset with God and they would leave the church. Or they would have something happen in church or the pastor would say something they didn't like and they would leave the church, but they held on to unforgiveness in their heart. Unforgiveness is so important that we deal with. Whether it's unforgiveness from our childhood, unforgiveness from something we've gone through in the church, unforgiveness that we're dealing with right now, unforgiveness will always lead to a bitter heart. When you have a bitter heart, it's hard to feel and to hear the voice of the Lord because our ears, our spiritual ears are closed and our heart becomes heart towards God. I always pray, God, soften my heart to be pliable to you. Remove every ounce of unforgiveness that I have because I don't want unforgiveness to hold me back from what God has for me. So if there's unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, I wanna encourage everyone at home today, let this be the last day that you carry that unforgiveness. Let this be a day where you say, today I'm going to forgive and you fill in the blank with who you need to forgive to let go so that you have a soft, pliable heart that God can mold and shape into his image. So what is it that you may be carrying? Just talked about unforgiveness. It could be a bad relationship. It could be a bad habit. It could be a, a secret sin, as we talked about last week with temptation. What is it that may be holding you back from really receiving the fullness of God's love? No matter what it is, I want you to hear this. God loves you unconditionally. God's love for you is so deep and so wide that it's an unimaginable. And God cares enough about you and about me to confront us because he cares about who we are becoming. In your notes, God's love for us is enough to confront us to obedience. You see, God's love isn't like this distant love. So many people, they go, God loves everyone. And we begin to put billions and billions of people throughout history into who God loves. And it feels like it could be this distant, just general love. We have to understand that God loves each one of us intimately, individually, perfectly. And he wants us to come to him as we are, but he loves us enough not to leave us as we are, but to move us into where he desires us to move and who we are becoming is so important to God, so much greater than who we were, what our past looked like, but who we are becoming now hand in hand with Jesus Christ. He cares enough about us to confront us to obedience. But you see, the, the big obstacle to obedience is pride. And that's what we were dealing with with Saul. Saul had so much pride. His name meant prayed for. So he was looked at as a person that everyone had prayed for to knock off Christianity and to kill the Christians and to get them out of there. His, his name was named after the first king of Israel, Saul. He was an important Pharisee. He was an astute student of the Torah. And he had such a reputation 
temptation of this pharisaical strongman that was being mentored under Gamaliel, who was one of the greatest teachers in the religious and Jewish tradition. He considered how people looked at him more important than anything. The identity that he created for himself was more important to him than anything else. And his pride constantly would get in his way to becoming what God wanted him to become. So God got a hold of him face to face. Blind for three days. It was an encounter that was unlike almost any encounter in the scripture. But God had something greater for Saul. Let's move on with verse 10 in Acts chapter nine. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. God sent a man named Ananias, just a random Christian man that was just a humble place to come after this very prideful, egotistical maniac by the name of Saul. Said the Lord called to, to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Can you imagine Saul with his reputation and his worry about what everybody else would think of him to have a Christian Random Christian guy that is not looked at as any way popular or any kind of iconic figure at all in the time. It was to the point for Ananias that Ananias was scared to go see Saul, but he was obedient and he did what God told him to do. And in point two, this is what we're going to look at in your notes. Saul's reputation was no match for God's purpose. God doesn't look at our identity that we create. God looks at what he's called us to be, who he's called us to be. He's looking at our heart. He's looking at our potential. But ultimately, he's looking to have someone who is willing to be obedient and to serve. You know, Jesus came to serve and not be served. You know, I can remember a gentleman. I'm, I really took notice of him probably about four or five years ago. And I noticed him driving the golf carts for us. And I thought, now that is a sharp guy. He's always smiling. He's such a great first impression for people that are coming. And I can remember talking to him. His name is Matt Jackson. And I said, Matt, I just appreciate what you do. Maybe we could get together sometime and I could get better acquainted with you. And so over time, I got to know Matt. And as I got to know him, he was a very high executive in his company, had a lot of knowledge and insight. We've become friends. He was able to help us in so many different areas of the church. But I go back to Matt Jackson. What impressed me most was he had a heart to serve. And he served in the small things. And as he served in the small things, God began to elevate Matt in our church to the point where Matt Jackson is the chairman of our board now. You see, Matt was faithful in the small things and God began to move him into a place of big influence in our church. But you know where Matt serves today? He drives the golf carts. He always says, if there's anything I can do to serve, that is my heart. Whatever it is, 
I'm willing to serve. That's the kind of heart that God wants all of us to have. You see, Saul, his heart was hard. His heart was bitter. His heart was angry. His heart was spiteful. But yet, God loves Saul enough to reach out in a radical moment, say, this is your time to change, but you've got to be obedient and you can overcome this hate. So many people, they feel like, you know, I'm bigger than serving in the nurseries. You know, I, do you realize what I do for a living? Do you realize what I, you know, just be happy I come to church. That is not the attitude that God wants any of us to have. He wants us always, no matter where we are in life, whether we're in a valley and we're struggling or we're on a mountaintop and we're doing so great, whether we're in the middle of an unbelievable career or we're struggling with unemployment right now with all that's happening, God wants us to have a heart to say, here I am, God. Use me to do your purpose to reach people for Jesus Christ. You know, there's some people that say, I'm too good, I'm too this. There's other people that say, man, how could you even consider me? You know, I, I come from a, a bad background. I had a rough childhood. I've, I was in jail at one point. How can I serve? How can I serve at Helping Hands? People are gonna know me there and they're gonna say something and I'm, I'm not worthy. I want you to know that God loves each one of us right where we are. And he can turn everything that we've gone through, maybe that's negative and hurtful and painful, he'll use all of that for his good and for his purpose. In your notes, God designs are always better than my identity. We live in a culture where identity matters so much. Keeping up with the Joneses matter so much. What people think of you matter so much. What your appeal on Facebook or Instagram or any other social media platform to show kind of this fake life so that your identity is looked up to and respected. God cares so much more than this fake identity that we may put forward. You see, Saul passed the test. Why? Because he did what Jesus called him to do in the small things. So he was blind for three days. Jesus just gave some vague instruction, go back to Damascus and wait there for further instruction. Saul set aside his reputation for spite and his identity by following Ananias to pray with him. And this is what happened next in scripture. It's powerful and it's beautiful. Acts chapter nine, starting in verse 17. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, another step of obedience. After taking some food, he regained his strength. You see, because Saul was obedient, he laid down and he laid aside his spite. He laid aside his reputation. He laid aside the identity that he put together himself and created for himself, and he obeyed Jesus and the small things and began to move into what Jesus had called for his purpose. God healed him physically. 
His vision was returned immediately there, filled him with his Holy Spirit. And God began to do a new work on this man that we've called Saul to this point. You see, Saul, the name prayed for, the one that was prayed for, the first king of Israel, it brought this high and mighty reputation and connotation to who Saul was. But Saul's Hebrew name was Paul. That's what his Roman name was. It was Paul. Paul means small, modest, tiny, little. It's like the middle name that you never want to admit that that's your middle name. Later, Saul wanted people to call him Paul. Why did he want people now to call him Paul instead of Saul? Because he got off that horse. He got off of that thing that high and mighty, I'm better than everybody else. And he put him into a place and said, God, humbly, I want to serve you. It's okay that my name means small. I want to serve you because your plan is so much bigger and so much better than my plan. The identity that you want to give me is so much greater than the identity that I've created for myself. You see, he started to see that Jesus handpicked him, not because of what he deserved, but because of his obedience and the call and the love that God had for Paul. You see, Saul went from blindness to vision. He went from spite to sight. And the last point in your notes, number three, Saul's blindness was no match for God's vision. And I can remember, I've, I've shared multiple times of all that I went through after my brother's death in 2014. It led to a place of depression and despair leading to 2016. And in 2016, God made it really clear, Glenn, you've got to lay this down. You've got to lay down this position of senior pastor because you've got to get healthy. You've got to get your heart right. You've got to get your mind right. You've got to get into the purpose and have the vision that I have for you. And when I laid it down, I did not lay it down with any intention ever to be senior pastor here or anywhere else ever again. In fact, people would ask me in the, the year and a half that I wasn't the senior pastor, they said, would you ever take another job as a senior pastor somewhere else? I said, absolutely not. They asked me, would you ever think about becoming senior pastor at Countryside again? We went through a couple of transitions. And it wasn't until the right moment at the right time that God laid on my heart, this is what I've called you to do. You are willing to lay it down. But the time for laying it down is over. The time for picking it up is now. And the time to lead strong and to lead the way that I've called you to lead, it's not yesterday, it's today. In that moment, God anointed me in a new way, gave me vision like I've never had, gave me excitement and passion like I've never had before, but it was up to me to be obedient in every way. See, if I would have held on to it, I would have lost it. He would have taken it away. If I would have held on to it, then it would have hurt everything. There would have been no way that I would be in the position I'm in today. It was embarrassing at times. There were times I thought people looked down at me. There's times people thought I was a failure. I felt that I was a failure. But in due time, God will raise you up to be who he's called you to be, to move into the ministry, the outreach, the potential, the influence that God's called all of us to have. 
He will move in the right time when we're walking in obedience in the small things. You see, there were things I had to get right in my heart before God was gonna fully use me to be who I've been called to be and truly the ultimate purpose that my life was designed to walk out. Just like each one of us. Is there an area in your life you need to get right before God even now? Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to humble yourself and serve. Maybe you need to read the word every day. For some of you, you've not read the word in weeks and even months. Now more than ever, we've got to understand the word of God. We've got to be led by the word of God. We've got to immerse ourselves in God's word because the battle has been won by Christ, but we're gonna move forward as we have our sword of the spirit in our hand. And when you obey God, he'll give you vision. You see, oftentimes a vision is gonna unfold like a flower. As we're obedient and as we grow, another petal opens up and it leads us to the next step. Imagine having a life filled with vision. Imagine having a heart that is renewed by the inspiration of knowing God's perfect will for your life. You know, when I talk to people, oftentimes their biggest request is, I want to know God's will for my life. I just want to be walking in God's perfect will for my life. Guess what? The word of God is filled with God's perfect will for your life. If you're not getting into the word, you're not listening to God through his word, he's always gonna speak to us through his word. But I wanna just tell you in the New Testament, there is sections of scripture. Here's just a few that I can absolutely tell you is God's perfect will for your life. He's called you to be thankful. Colossians chapter three, verse 15. He's told us to rejoice always Again, I say rejoice, not to look at our circumstances, not look at what's happening around us, but to rejoice always. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Have no fellowship with darkness in Ephesians chapter five, verse 11. Have compassion, to have compassion in our heart towards people, towards the world, towards the lost. Jude chapter one, verse 22. It says to light our light shine before all men. In Matthew chapter five, verse 16, to devote yourself in prayer. Devote yourself in prayer. To be devoted is not once in a while. It's not just praying over your food. It's devoting time, passion, effort to prayer. Colossians chapter four, verse two. To let the word dwell in your heart. Colossians three sixteen, To give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. To forgive, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. To love your enemies, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I can tell you just these few things, and there are hundreds of more that are absolutely God's perfect will for your life. So how do you walk out the vision that God has for you? How do you hear the voice of God during this time, which is such an important time. Now is a time where we're resetting so many things. Reset your relationship with God by doing this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand 
firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Countryside, this isn't our time to waver. This is our time to stand firm. This is the time for us to begin to discover what God has for us, not only now, but what our future is gonna be looking like as we move forward. This isn't the time to waver. This isn't the time to walk in fear, but walk in faith, knowing that God's got us right where he wants us to be. We serve a God of love. We serve a God who has our very best interests in mind, and he's a good father. Let our good father begin to love you like no one ever else has loved you. Let your good father begin to reach out to you, to speak to you, to lead you into your purpose, into your calling. Stand firm, church, immovable. Not allow the waves of the world, not allow different doctrines that may be coming in. Be bold in what you believe. Serve God fully from Genesis to Revelation, understanding who God is, understanding the depth of his love, and knowing that he's got a plan that is just for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Father, as we looked at all these different tests, help us to pass the test, to bring glory to your name, to stand firm, to stand strong, immovable, understanding truly who we are in you. To understand our identity comes from you. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from fame. It doesn't come from reputation. Our identity comes from Jesus Christ himself. So I pray today you would renew our hearts. You would help us in the hard areas of our life to love, to forgive, to let go of bitterness, to let go of things of our past, to let go of disappointments, and to serve a faithful God with our whole heart. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching this weekend and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first step. The first step to getting closer to God is understanding who Jesus is, what God did by sending his only son to this earth to die in our place, to pay the price for the remission of our sins, and then to give us life and relationship with him through salvation. Do you want the free gift of salvation today? It's a gift, but it's a gift you have to receive. It's a gift you have to desire. And when you desire that gift and you ask Christ to come into your heart, to allow him to be on the throne of your heart, not yourself. So many of you, you're frustrated by trying to do everything on your own and you failed and you wonder, is there anything better? Yes, serving God fully is the very best thing you could ever do. The most important decision you'll ever make is by allowing God's salvation to come in your heart through the repentance of your sin and accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, and you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're gonna pray in just a moment, but there's a, a section on your screen that you can you know, hit in the comments on Facebook or on the app that says, I wanna accept Christ now, but today is a day of salvation for you by simply saying yes to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life and paid the price for me. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, 
come into my heart. I give you my life. Today, Lord, I make you my God, my Savior, my best friend. Today, I enter into a real loving relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as we close the service, we have something very special. As Pastor Tim normally closes at the end, he'll do that after this song, a very special song. Put yourself in a place to receive today the blessing of God. God bless you, church. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
Your family and your children. 